0: things and make them very complicated. I mean, everybody in this room, you can do what I've done many times in my life and take very simple things and make them very complicated. I remember when my daughter was first learning how to talk and she was learning the uh, joy of asking for things. She didn't have enough words to ask at length for things, but very simply she would say to us, milk, which was milk. It took us a while to figure that out. She had other little things she would ask for. She liked cookies, right? And so it was cookies. And And when she would say that, we knew what she meant. We would do that. Now, as my daughter got older and her vocabulary expanded... She learned to add on some things to express not just that she wanted milk, but that she really, really, really wanted milk. She learned how to add on adjectives and adverbs and intonation and sometimes volume and take something very simple and make it quite complex, all to communicate her deep desire. We're going to talk about something today that really, at its core, is quite simple. Really. It, it, it is. And yet, we've made it remarkably complicated. And we've made it complicated to our own detriment. By the time we get done today, you're going to understand something about God and his desire for us to have a relationship with him that is going to be in words so crystal clear that the youngest, simplest person in this room or the oldest, most wise person in this room with the greatest command of theology and spirituality all across the spectrum, you'll be able to understand it. Now, the reason why this is important, what we're going to talk about today, is because the core issue we're going to be talking about is at the core of why there's even a church called Four Corners. It's at the core of why there's a church at all that Jesus came and gave his life for. It's a simple idea of God's love. And this idea, guys, listen to this. This idea, I've used this example a hundred times. I just can't think of a better visual imagery. It's like when, when I go to the beach to play with my family. We can, if we want, we can stay on the edge of where the water and the sand meet, and we can play right there as the waves gently lap up, you know, the remainders of the waves lap up on on the sand, and we can get our feet wet, we can play, we can build sandcastles, or... As they've gotten older, we've gotten more and more daring, my kids and I and my wife. And we've been able to venture out, not just ankle deep or knee deep. We've ventured out all the way up to our necks sometimes and played in that amazing wave and water that, you know, is occurring at the beach. Well, God's love is exactly the same thing. So as a church, we're rallying around the idea of crazy love and taking time to really drill down and study and investigate some of the clear implications of God's love for us. But as we do that, it's very important that you and I not lose sight of its simple reality, the simple reality that God loves us. That means he loves you and he loves me. And we Sometimes know that's true, maybe here, but we lose sight of it in our complicated world. We lose sight of it because people like me, pastors, have made the message of Jesus quite complicated. Without ever meaning to, sometimes what's happened is we have spoken. People like you have heard things like, really, a relationship with God is about coming and sitting in church. I mean, pastors really like for people to come to church. We, we like that because we believe that if you come, you get your spirits lifted, you get your eyes lifted up towards Jesus. We open up God's word together, the Bible. We learn truths that can change our lives. It causes people who are in a relationship with Jesus to understand him more fully, and it impacts their life positively. And that strong motivation we have to get you to come sometimes gets translated as, well, if you come to church enough, if you come to church regularly, then you're in a right relationship with God, which isn't true at all. I heard this a long time ago. I wish I had made it up, but I didn't, but I think it's remarkable. I mean, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sleeping in a garage makes you a car. It just doesn't happen that way. Becoming a Christian is an entirely different thing than coming to church. Sometimes, because we really, preachers like me, we really believe that if you talk to God in prayer and simple language and make that a part of your regular discipline in life, that it'll change the way you see God and the way you see yourself and the way you see your world. Sometimes we've talked about prayer to such a degree that we taught you without even meaning to, that prayer is the kind of thing you do and that if you pray, then you're in a relationship with God prayer is important and people that are in a relationship with God would pray, pray typically, but praying by itself isn't what secures your relationship with God. Not at all. It's much more simple than that. Sometimes when we talk about these issues, we, we want to make it sound like, you know, the Bible is so important, you need to read it. I was talking with somebody this week and he's like, every time we, somebody mentions Bible reading, I just feel overcome with guilt. And I know why he does because people like me, I mean, this is a big deal to me. I want to get you to open up your Bible and read it because I know that if you understand your Bible at all, even beginning, at the very beginnings of understanding your Bible, you'll understand God more. That's why we read the Bible anyway, to understand God more. And when you read your Bible, understand God more, it'll change you. But sometimes that gets translated, gets complicated, so that people think that if you know a lot of Bible, then you're okay with God. And if you don't know a lot of Bible, you're not all that okay with God. It's not at all what being okay with God is all about. Knowing your Bible is good. It doesn't secure a relationship with God. No, securing a relationship with God is something so much more simple. And by the time we get done today, you're going to have a simple way to communicate it to yourself. Remind yourself regularly. And something else beautiful is going to happen. You're going to have a simple way to communicate it when God opens the door for you to share it with other people. Yeah, I'm talking about you being able to, in your own words, maybe using the words I'm going to use, share a very simple idea with people in a way that they can strip past the complexity that we've made church and a relationship with God seem like down to its most rudimentary elements, its most basic core. And can I tell you about this simple core? It doesn't matter today where you come from, whether you were born in Cincinnati or born somewhere else. It doesn't even matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter at all what period of time you live in, whether you've lived 100 years ago or whether you're gonna live 100 years from now. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what your family of origin is like, how many times you've been married or whether you've been married at all, whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter. The simple message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus applies to everyone in the same way. It really does. And this is one of the geniuses of God's love for us is the ability to experience his love is the same for every single person. What you need to know and what you need to do does not change. It is a constant. What you need to know and what you need to do is a fixed reality that you and I can understand. And God took the entirety of this Bible, a very thick book. I I don't know when's the last time you looked, but the pages are very thin, Uh, they make them so thin so they can put a lot of pages in a pretty small space because otherwise, if pages were like, you know, in the olden days written on leather or very thick paper, then the Bible would be like this thick. I've seen Bibles that big. God gave us this entire thick book to teach us from a variety of angles through a variety of lenses and people's experiences a very simple message that applies to you in the exact same way that it applies to me. It's a universal, simple message. We know, by the way, people who have rejected the claims of Jesus, people you love right now have rejected the claims of Jesus, not because they fully understood the simple message, but because their idea of Christianity was slightly distorted because we took something that was meant to be pretty simple and made it complicated. I have family in my life right now that I love deeply that have said no to the Christianity that they understand. In their mind, they've said no to Jesus. And yet when I talk to them, one thing often becomes clear. And I think if you'll look around, you'd agree with the same thing, that many times people are not rejecting the Jesus of the Bible. They're rejecting a the Jesus that has been presented to them through the complex lenses of their experience, their religious traditions, their families, their churches, their emotion, the sin in this world. And I want to, by the time we get done today, Make sure that if you're in this room and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, that you don't leave rejecting him because of some preconceived misappropriation of his truth. That you don't take some silly, twisted understanding of Christianity, look at it and say, that's not something I want to make my life about. But instead, you do something that I think is full of integrity. You understand it fully And they make a decision about what you're going to do with Jesus. It's very important, guys, that regularly churches like ours make sure that even as we're studying deeper the love of God, (laughs) we don't forget it's raw, core, basic truths. They serve like an anchor for our soul. So that when you experience life, when you go through this world and you're bumped around and bruised around and you're trying to manage the complexities of your own thing, at the core of our reality is a simple truth about God, about us, and about His, the world he's created for us to live in. I don't want anybody to leave here today with a twisted understanding of Christianity. Christianity believing that it's about church attendance or Bible reading or the ability to pray in public or to have your, have your life all together. And when you get it all together, then you're ready. To, I don't want anybody in the room to leave with those twisted understandings when what God wanted to do, the whole reason he sent his son into the world was to express to us a simple, graspable, understandable, communicable truth that I think is absolutely revolutionary. And it is like the banks of the ocean, the banks of a river. You can, if you want, just get your feet wet. Or you can wade way out and submerge yourself deep into this subject. And while the raw truths of the simple message will never change, you'll be able to experience it from a variety of angles. You'll be able to see it through a variety of lenses. Your understanding of it will grow and grow and grow over your lifetime. Here's something I've observed as a pastor before I even tell you what the simple truth is. It's not going to take a long time to communicate it. That for some of us in this room, we have a relationship with Jesus. I know we do. A lot of you in this room do, just like I do. And and we, we believe at the core that God has come to us and said, Now, if you've received my message, your job is to help other people understand the message so they can receive it too. We believe in what we would call the Great Commission. If you haven't been around church, it's a core issue in the church, in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 28. And it simply says that we're supposed to go, those of us that have been in we're supposed to go into all the world and help people become disciples of Jesus, teaching and proclaiming his message. And then ultimately helping them begin a life with Jesus, with baptism and discipleship all the way through their lives. And you believe that many of you just as much as I, but many of you just like me, we've been hesitant to share the message. We have, because we're afraid that if we start talking about God, somebody's going to ask us some questions that maybe we don't know the answer to. Or they're going to be offended at our core propositions. Like, what if somebody were to ask you, not about Jesus, but like as you're talking about, what if they were to ask you about creation versus evolution? I mean, what what would you say? that, That question right there keeps some people who believe in Jesus, have experienced Jesus, and believe that Jesus has called us to share the message keeps us from engaging the message. And what are they ask you about revelation? Like the book in the Bible that gets really scra- crazy and scary as you read it. What are what, what you to do with that? And what are you going to do about like televangelists and things they've seen and heard even recently in the news? What, what are you going to do if they start asking about that? What, what are you going to do when they ask you like, why are there so many different Johns in the Bible? Have you noticed this? It's like 40-11 Johns in the Bible. And which Joseph was the Old Testament Joseph? And which one was the New Testament Joseph? And does it even, what is an Old Testament? Does it, does it even, what are you gonna do if they ask you, ask you very complex questions? And how did Noah get the dinosaurs on the ark? Did he? Yeah. You feel the uneasiness in those questions? Yeah. At the core of all of those ancillary issues that have the right place to be discussed, there is a basic truth that God doesn't want anybody in the room to be confused about. And sometimes we take a simple message and we make it complicated, sometimes out of a good heart, sometimes because no witty has ever just taken the time to make it clear to us, sometimes because we weren't in a place in life to hear it with clarity when we needed to. So we've done all kinds of goofy things in the name of Jesus. We believe, for instance, that what God has called us to do is to defend the cause of the church in every environment. Defending your faith is an important deal when Jesus was first talking to his disciples, he used a different word. He just said, testify of me, be a witness. That is, don't necessarily try to convince the jury of the entire thing. That's not our job, that's God's job. Don't try to convince a skeptic of the entire sweep of God's truth, that's God's job. Our job is to simply witness to what we know and experience. There is no burden on us to do any more than to share the simple truth. But if you and I don't have a grasp of the simple truth, or if it's been covered over by complicated junk, that, that gets hard to do. So I want to take you to a place in the Bible that I'm sure you've heard of. I mean, even if like, this is your first time in church, you've heard of it because you probably have been at a sports event or seen one on TV, and you've seen a big sign that had it there for us in your Bible in John chapter. 3 Verse 16, one of the Johns of the Bible, right there. This John happens to have been a disciple of Jesus, and he wrote a lot of stuff in our Bible. And he records for us at the end of chapter 3 in his gospel, which means a story of Jesus, a statement or two that I think is absolutely revolutionary. It is, if you will, the mini Bible, the whole truth of the Bible contained in a couple sentences. I mean, you can spend your life studying the Bible. I, I've done a lot of that. I've spent a lot of money and effort and energy to understand its complexities. Still don't have a full grasp of it. I've got a long way to go. But at its core is John 3.16. And you and I can be, as after today, using this verse with great clarity to understand ourselves and never lose the anchor of the simple message of Jesus. And at the same time, when God opens a door for us to be a witness, we will have words to use that are clear and uncomplicated that might just change the life of somebody you love or somebody God brings into your life. It's the beauty of John 3.16. It's why people who didn't understand how beautiful it is want to hold it up and put it on their, you know, under their eyes with some football, you know, anti-glare um, makeup. I can you use makeup and football in the same way? I mean, what would you call that if it's not makeup? Anyway, they, they, they put it on their T-shirts. They put it on, on signs because at its core, the message of this verse rings out. Now, here's the context for us context is that bigger story in which this verse occurs. A guy comes to Jesus and says, I want to know what I need to do to be right with you. I want to know what I need to understand. What do I need to do to be right? And there's a long discussion. You can read it for yourself about Jesus helping this guy unpack that truth. (laughs) And at the end of it, John, who's writing the story, feels compelled to tell us what's really going on. He wants to make sure that if you didn't pick it up from the example in the early part of the chapter, you get it in the clear language he uses in the latter part of the chapter. This is what he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that for all time and eternity, from this point forward when it happened, all of us could live with clarity and simplicity around what the core message of Jesus is. Many of you in this room can quote this passage with me if you wanted to, but if you don't have your Bible with you and haven't yet turned on the screen behind me, here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We're going to use this one verse and make sure that everybody who leaves today has the most basic grasp of the clearest truth that God wanted you to know. It's the reason why he sent his son. It's the reason why we have the gift of the Bible. It's the reason why churches exist. And when we remember that, oh, it goes better. And when we cover it over with other stuff like our traditions and our preferences and our personal theologies and what our grandmother taught us or what a youth leader, and we miss the simple, it gets us into trouble. Now, what do I need to be what do I need to know in order to be a Christian? What do I need to know and what do I need to do for me to be a Christian? Let's look at the first phrase of John 3:16. What do I need to know? Here it is. It says for God so loved the world that for God so loved the world that now, there might be some English teachers in the room, folks have a much greater command of the English language than I do. I got kind of confused. I grew up in the inner city of Chicago till I was 11, and I was getting a pretty good grasp on the way you talk. And then my family moved to the south. Wow. Messed me up, friends. I've never recovered. I've never. I live in, in Cincinnati just trying to make sense of the desperate parts of my life. You know, Chattanooga, Chicago, Cincinnati, somewhere in the middle. So this is kind of like home for me. I don't really like this place. Just, I, I feel like I can communicate. A little, a little bit here because for God so loved the world. Now, if you have a Bible, if you want to take notes, grab out your, your offering envelope or, 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 your, or your small groups catalog and just write the word loved there. I want to, I want to talk to you about this love of God. I, I love this verse because in the context of somebody saying, what do I need to know and what do I need to do? It's answered very clearly for us. That what we need to know, first of all, is that God loved. God loved. We didn't love God and so loving God asked him to send us a plan to connect us to him. That's not what happened. But God loved us. God loved us. He loved us, the Bible says, even while we were sinning. It's like God's love supersedes sin. His love isn't dependent on whether or not we get our act together. God simply Loved. And this love of God compelled God to do something pretty dramatic. Before I even tell you what that is, I want to take you to a place, another author in the Bible who tries to help us understand just how awesome this love of God is. Paul is an apostle who was born a little bit you know, later on and doesn't really walk with Jesus when he's physically on the earth. But man, Jesus changes his life. And he writes letters to churches. And there was a church in Ephesus and he was trying to impress on them just how awesome this love of God is. So in Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesus church, Paul writes to them these words in Ephesians chapter three. He says, my prayer for you is this. And I pray that you, that's the people in that church, but also all of us after that. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints. Look at how he tries to express this. To grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? How wide, how long, how high, and how deep? He's trying to use spatial defining words to explain something that can't be fully defined in our time or in our space. I want you to understand that this love of God is exceptionally high. It's exceptionally Deep. It runs the full gamut of your life. It runs the full gamut of eternity. You'll never be able to go over it. You can't go under it. You can't get around it because the love of God permeates everything. And to know this love, to know the love, and to know the love of God that surpasses your ability to fully understand it, Paul says, I pray for you, Ephesians, that you'll get a glimpse of just how much God loves you. And when you do that, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Some of us feel a little empty today because we haven't been filled up with an understanding, a knowledge of the love of God. God wants to change that. He wants you to experience All of him. And understanding his love is an important part of that. That's why I'm asking you to get in a crazy love group. It's pretty simple, actually. It's a simple action step you can take to investigate the love of God. The thing that Paul prayed for, for this church. The thing that God wanted us to know. The thing that the Holy Spirit inspired John to write. That God loved the world. Over the last several weeks, by the way. Just talking about how we make simple things complex. Over the last several weeks, about eight of them, in fact, I've asked you in some form or another who in the room would like to move forward spiritually, to grow deeper in God, take advantage of opportunities for growth. And when you can pile all those lists uh, together of all of the next steps, it's somewhere just south of 300 individual names. Said on some level, I know I'm feeling compelled in the moment to take a step towards my own spiritual growth and growing up and experiencing all that God has for me and knowing more and being more consistent. It's amazing. I mean, every day people in this room take next steps. And because we don't have an altar call and because we don't have people raise their hands or stand up, sometimes you don't see what's happening. Pretty simple. If an opportunity comes your way and that's what God put on you, you want to take that step. I had them this week correlate those names, about 300 of them, against the names of the people who've already signed up for crazy love groups. And this is where I sound like a dad for just a second. There's a major gap, friends, between the people who said they want to grow spiritually and the folks who've signed up for a small group, which is the primary vehicle we use in this church to grow spiritually. I don't, you know, don't know if maybe the, the, the synapses didn't fire right and you didn't connect the dots. So with clarity, just let me say, you know, it's kind of out of sync with what you may have felt God asking you to do, to say you want to grow and then not take advantage of it. Now, maybe you've got other advantages you're taking, you know, other opportunities you're taking advantage of. That's awesome. That's between you and the Lord. So no condemnation. We're all free in Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Yet at the same time, at the same time, I mean, it just makes sense, friends, for you to change your schedule and quit waiting for it to be convenient. For you to get into a group with other believers going in the same direction and explore a little bit about the love of God just makes sense. My heart for you as a pastor isn't for you to find another to-do to check off of your list, but it is to do what you need to do to explore the love of God and let that fullness change your life and let it speak louder than any other lie you might be operating in, any other half-truth, any other good thing that isn't the best. Now, in my church, here's the way my pastor would have said that. What I was trying to communicate, he he would have said this because there's a south. You know, so I was like, you know, know, into my adulthood, we moved back to Cincinnati. He'd have just grabbed the podium. That's what we had, a pulpit, really. And he'd have said, now, y'all, that's dumb to have said you want to grow and then not do what it takes to grow. That's what he would have said. And we would have heard from the audience, amen, amen. Of course, the only people amen in would have been those who had already signed up, and they kind of said it looking down their noses. That's not the tone of what I'm trying to communicate at all. I just want you to know that it's it's not the brightest thing in the world to feel compelled in an environment like this to grow and never translate to an actual step of what you're going to do to understand what God wants for your life more. I mean, seriously. For God so loved the world that, here's our next phrase, circle the world, love, here's the next phrase, that he gave his one and only son. Here's the, here's the secret. The only thing you need to know to begin a relationship with Jesus to become a Christian is contained in that partial sentence. God loved, God gave. You understand the basic logic here that John's operating on that when you love something, you give to it. You do. We're walking through the apple festival yesterday. It was awesome with my family. I ate my weight in junk food, it was amazing. Apples and steak um, sandwiches and fries, and you gotta get a funnel cake or two, right? And then they had caramel corn and apples, apples thrown in. I didn't have a single apple. Apple Festival, I didn't have a single apple because they weren't fried. I mean, there's the logic there. I didn't have a single apple. And I, I eat my weight in food, and, and my kids, they can't get enough stuff, and I love them. And somewhere along the way, they see their cousin, and their cousin says, you got to get these little rubber bands shooting guns. I'm thinking five, six bucks. No, 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 no. About three times that. And so we're standing at the table, and I get the look, Dad, will you? I'm a softie, and I'm kind of on a buzz from all the junk food. I'm not in my right mind. And I'm like, sure. And we didn't just buy one set. We bought two sets. Now, now, at the core of that, I'm being a little facetious, at the core of that is I love my kids. I want to give them stuff. Love always takes an object. Love always gives. That's why God tells husbands in a marriage, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. We give ourselves to our wives, men, And when we don't, it screws with us and it screws with our marriage and it messes up our kids. Love gives and God loves, he gives. But what does he give? He gives his one and only son. What you need to know to be a Christian is very simple. God loves, God gives his son. Jesus, who came and lived a perfect life, died on a cross and resurrected for our sin. No, I don't want to shoot holes in your theological bubble, but nowhere does it say here that what we need to know is whether or not it's creation or evolution or how we harmonize or if we harmonize those two things. That might be a, a grand discussion. You don't need to know if Jesus is coming pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, or if he's coming back at all. No need to know that. What we need to know at the root is, is that God loves and God gives. So the first half of our equation, what do we need to know and what do we need to do is solve for us, and the second half is just as simple. What do we need to do? Let's just look at the next verse. Here's uh, the next part of this verse. It says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but." Now, if you're taking notes along with me, you want to write down the words "believes in Him." Believes in the sun. Now, sometimes we think that that might mean simply to acknowledge the son, to have a mental assent. I've used this illustration before, but it, does, it, it bears using again. I, I can say all day long, I believe in this chair. I can talk about how much I trust the chair. This is not exactly what's trying to be communicated to us in the Bible when it says, believe in him. That I look at the chair and go, I believe you exist, chair. It's not even me walking around that chair going, amazing chair, mm, wow, what a fantastic chair. It's not even me saying to all of you, hey, look, 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 look at this chair. Would you believe in this chair? Going around the world traveling and saying, an amazing chair, friends, believe in the chair. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about something much more basic. This, for instance, is not me fully believing in the chair even this is not me fully believing in the chair. Spiritually, I've done this a few times, kind of, but that's not fully believing. Fully believing in him, fully believing in the chair, is very much a simple act of putting all the weight of my full life in the chair. As I've gotten older, there's more weight to bear, and they don't make them like they used to. It's a little scary to think about putting my trust in a chair in front of all these folks. However, this is exactly the sentiment that's trying to be communicated with clarity and simplicity, that we believe in Jesus. We put the full weight of our lives in him. You believe in, it's very much like trust, not acknowledge, but trust him with your lives. It means you don't trust, him with your, you don't trust yourself with your life fully. You trust him. You trust his goodwill towards you. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son That whoever believes, that's the first thing you have to do. Believe in him. It's not that complicated, guys. There's another phrase in our verse that rounds out the two questions. What do I need to know and what do I need to do? I need to know that God loves, God gives. I need to do the trusting in. And then the final part says this. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves, God gives. I believe and I have. It's not something I do. It's something I receive. I receive eternal life. Ah, Eternal life isn't something that happens, you know, um, when you die. It's much more broad than that. It begins here and now. In fact, eternal life is not something that even belongs just to believers. The Bible is pretty clear in saying that everybody has a life that lasts forever. It's just a matter of where you're going to spend it. Eternal life begins with the believer when they put their full weight and trust in Jesus and they begin to live the God life. That's why people who follow Jesus regularly say things like this. I, you know, my life's been changing as I've been following Jesus. Things I used to do are morphing into something else. And the way I used to see myself in my world, they're adjusting. It's all part of the God life that he brings to us. What do you need to do? You need to believe. And if you want to say it in a rhyming way, receive. God gave or God loved, God gave. I believe and I have. God loved and God gave. I believe and I receive. Now, there are waves and waves of the ocean of Christianity that can overwhelm you with other stuff. But at the core, the raw essence of the message of Jesus and what you need to know and do with it is simple. God loved and he gave. I believe in And I receive. I take the gift. I don't earn it. I appropriate what's given to me. I reach out and I grab it. So what do I need to know? What do your friends need to know? Even if they thought they've rejected Jesus, maybe they've rejected something else that isn't in keeping with the pure message of the Bible and the whole cause of Jesus in this world. Maybe they've rejected something other than this. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've rejected something other than this. And there's been a barrier in your understanding of the love of God and today there's been a little bit more clarity. It's very simple what God wants you to know. You can know more, but this is the root. God loved. He didn't come in judgment, He loved. If He didn't love, He would have come scolding, but He didn't do that. He came giving proof that He really did love. And then He asked us to believe in Him and then receive what he had. Sometimes around here, we'll use a prayer to help you do that. But it's not the prayer. It's just you acknowledging, God, I want to trust you. I believe, God, that you loved and you gave. And I want to receive now what you have for me. Now, listen, if that hasn't been clear to you, I hope that's cleared up. But I don't want you to stop there in discovering all that God has for you. So in an effort to kind of move us forward, I want you you grab out your Connect card. It was in your offering envelope, and it looks like this. I put together some next steps for us as a way of moving forward because, again, it would be really, really silly to keep coming to church and getting motivated and stirred and never moving forward with what God wants for us. Here's the first step I want you to consider today. I want to believe in Jesus and receive him right now. For the very first time in my life. I mean, maybe you've been in church, but you haven't had clarity. And now you understand. It's not something you do. It's something you receive that he's already done. If you'd like to do that, in a moment we're going to pray. But it's not really the prayer activity itself. It's just you saying, God, you loved, you gave, your son. I believe it. And now I want to receive the full adoption of you into the family of God. I want to receive the salvation I want to become a Christian. I want to get saved. A thousand ways we can say it. I like to use the phrase, I make you my Lord, my Savior, forgiver of my sins and leader of my life. I want to trust you fully, let you be in the driver's seat and I'll sit in the back. That's you, check that box. And when you check it by faith, just receive what God has for you. Here's next step B. I want to get baptized on Sunday, October 2nd and show the world I'm crazy loved by God. Listen, one of the most powerful things you can do is to declare to yourself and to the world and to our God, that God loves you. You do that through baptism. It just says, I'm with God, he's with me. I'm crazy loved. Here's next step, C. I'm having a hard time finding a crazy love group. Would you please contact me via email? And our team will get on you today or tomorrow via email and they'll help you connect with the group. You'll actually be able to talk to somebody if you wanna call call me at, or you'll be able to email. They'll, they'll be glad to help you, all right? And then here's next step, D. It's stretching me, but at a minimum, I'm going to attend three out of the first four crazy love small group sessions. There's an enemy of your soul who doesn't want you to ever grasp the simple nor the deep message of God. And so what he's gonna try to do is the moment you sign up for a group, he's gonna try to get you to get distracted. Your car is gonna break down. Some expenses are gonna add up. You're gonna have opportunity for overtime. Kids are gonna get sick. I don't know how it all works out. It just seems to go that way. The moment I wanna step forward, I feel a pullback. I'm asking you, break through that wall. Break through, sit down, and explore. And if you've ever felt in the last few weeks God tugging at your heart to grow deeper, do the things you need to do to make that happen. Let's. Pray.